Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel, I'm in your hometown. I'm in Dallas. I know. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I don't see why. I don't see why you're How's jealous. it treating you so far? I mean, what? I mean, my fa- I got family there, right? I got family. But you, yeah. how's it treating you? How's Dallas? I haven't, I haven't been outside. I landed this morning okay. at uh, 5. You know, me and P. Frank Williams on the on the flight from LA, short flight. I've always yeah, forget yeah. that. Short flight, two hours thirty minutes. You're you're on the ground. So mm-hmm. we landed this morning. Got off the plane. It's 80, 87 degrees, which is impressive. People think that I meant oppressive when I said the heat in Dallas is impressive. No, I meant mm-hmm. impressive. That's impressive for it to be damn near ninety degrees at five a.m. It's impressive. Yeah, it's both. So I've been here. I slept. Um, okay. And then I woke up just to watch the new episode of The Boys to cover that for Ringerverse. Then I went back to sleep. So I've been in the room all day here uh, at the hotel. So I haven't really got a chance. There's something across the way from me, and I don't know what it is. It's a big, there's a big building with a kind of like half dome. And then there's like a park where they're like statues of, of cows. Cows. Yes. What is that? I should probably know, <laughs> but I, I cause because, because I know where you are, I just yeah. don't know what they represent. I can't remember what they represent. It's statues of cows. You got to know. I, I feel like that there, if, if you, but you know what it is. So you don't know what it signifies. No. no and my dad up. used to, my dad, I was going to call the judge, but my dad used to work there. It's that city hall. The building is city hall across. That's city so hall. That's where my, okay. Like the the built with like kind of like the the slant slope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's city hall, and the, you've got the cattle, the statues of all the cattle this out in front. Cattle, of where cattle you are. Then there's like a half little waterfall, like right there. It's like a little. The, and the convention center is right there too. It's there. So that's okay. where you are. Mm-hmm. So, am I close to where JFK shit went down? And no, but Damn. you you're on that side of downtown. You're on like the southern side. That's on the west side. You got to go to this area called the West End. To see the JFK shit? I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. You're going to be unimpressed. Really? <laughs> you're going to be like, yes. You're going to be like, this is this is where it's a whole thing. Like, you got the Sixth Floor Museum. And you remember remember Erica Badu, uh, Badu did the video? The window seat. Yeah. Walking down. Yeah. So it's just, you'll see a bunch of people. You know where you are, but you'll be like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I got to go see it because I've never seen it before in all of my times in Dallas. I spent my time in Dallas uh, in Deep Ellum. That's where I like to go. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like so it's totally different now. No, it's when not we were, I, was, we, I was there in 2019. I know exactly how Deep So Ellum when we was. were growing up, Deep Ellum was bikers and tattoos and piercings. And it was completely abandoned buildings and desert. Like you did not go to that side of town. Gentrification is a totally different place now. It's popping now. Deep Ellum is one of the best places to hang out in all of, of, of the world. You got a lot of different bars. Okay, there. calm down. I love Deep Ellum. I yeah, love it. it's great. But- the world. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? Why are you this way? Like, I like to get Excuse excited me? about. I like to get excited about stuff, and I like to get excited about Deep Ellum. And I, I say that Deep Ellum is one of the best places to hang out in the world. And I stand by it, Rach. I'm sorry. 
Well, I'm happy that you're by one of the best places in the world and you're going to get to experience it. I'm thrilled for you, man. Thrilled. <sighs> Truly. Um, we have a, a guest. We have two guests on the podcast. We have Marlon Palmer from The Extra Gravy Show, who is responsible for the tweet that we discussed about the the diaspora. My, my black is better than your black. My black is better. My black's better than your. And we also have Tara Mack who is the twerking state senator from Rhode Island who set the internet on fire with her cheeks out on the beach. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk to her and, 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 and get a feel of how she's responding to her newfound celebrity based upon the fact that people think that she shouldn't have been twerking on the beach as a state senator. She's going to be here in a second. What did you think about the twerking on the beach, Rich, as a state senator? I thought it was hilarious. You liked it. I thought I know. I'm sure people are kind of come to this podcast and think that I am going to condemn her, judge her, because I was thinking about this in comparison to the substitute teacher that talked about with the tweet, the heavy dick, the heavy dick, children. It's, it's I don't know. To me, there's a difference. Um, <laughs> but I felt I do. I do. It's, it's just, well, it's just yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a I difference to it. me. I disagree. By the way, she's mad at you. Heavy dick substitute teacher. She doesn't like you. How do you know? She DM'd you? Yeah. So I was trying to get her on the podcast and she didn't respond. Yeah. And then so okay. after she didn't respond, uh, like we did it. And then she responded after the podcast. And I was like, we already did it. You know what I mean? And then go, and then go listen to it. Go listen to it. And then she went and she listened to it. And she was she's unimpressed by you. She doesn't like she doesn't she doesn't like. Well, why would she? Of course, yeah. I, I said she should be gone. She should be gone. So why would she like that? <laughs> like, why would she? I said she should be suspended. I think I said. Anyways, I don't know why I find this. I I mean I do know why. I just find this video so funny. I, but I also researched Tierra, so I'm I'm like for what she stands for at the same time. Yeah. But I just love that it has. All the 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 conservatives and the alt alt right up in arms. I love that everybody's discussing it because now you do have to discuss her and what she stands for and her platform. And it's putting her like it's giving her uh, nationwide attention. And I like that it's causing this discourse and this discussion, which is why I'm glad we're talking about it on the podcast because it's not just white people. So that's why I wanted to talk about it because I didn't know if you and I had a differing of opinion. Do you I didn't know. know. I don't care. You know, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, you never but, know. But I will say this: we're gonna make that the big and I feel, and, because I think yes. that's I think that's a I think that's a really worthwhile conversation. I think she's a worthwhile person for people to get to know. You're right about that, Rachel. You're right. Yes. She's she's like she's. I think uh, that it was in, there's like, intention <laughs> behind her, which is what I don't know. What's the difference between the substitute teacher? She's gonna be mad at me again. She gonna she gonna be mad. But look, sometimes we make people mad. Who like like we you know what? We'll mad. bring her on. Well, and I'm sorry I keep calling her the substitute teacher. I should call her by name, but I forgive me. I cannot remember. I bring her on. You still would you still be interested in having her on and like going back and Why forth? Why not? Why not? Who Why not? Us, right. I said it. I own it. <laughs> How'd you grow up in this place, Rachel? How'd you grow up in this place where it's a hundred degrees? It's a hundred. <laughs> Are people, you hot people, right now? Sitting inside? You still hot? <laughs> people are gonna say, "Van." You grew up in Louisiana. It's very hot. It is, but it's not. I've never been in Louisiana, and I can't remember being in Louisiana and having it hit triple digits. Our humidity makes it Feel fucking it. unlivable. Yeah. All right, but like Dallas is that kind of hot where you touch something and it burns you. Like you touch a railing 
and you like shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but in Louisiana, we don't have that fried egg on the sidewalk type shit. We don't. Yeah, do that but your shit. your heat is suffocating. I was just in New Orleans. It suffocates you. Like I was at an event and I was wearing a wig, and I was a little concerned because I had the wig on. And by the end of the event, my wig was sliding off. That would never happen in Dallas. It's true. I mean, it's true. The, the wigs are wigs are not for the faint of heart. <laughs> so and you visited you visit Louisiana. You better make sure that thing's on tight. You do. All right, uh, you guys. On the other side of this, we're gonna have Tierra Mac, Torkin State Senator, State Senator from Rhode Island. In a second, that's your big deal of the day. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Okay, you guys, we have a real treat for you here today on Higher Learning. We have a um, a real trailblazer. <laughs> a trailblazer, a hellraiser. Um, you might have seen the story of the Rhode Island senator who made waves. <laughs> <laughs> made waves when her having a fun time on her vacation shaking a little something gripped the internet and had everybody with an opinion we wanted to talk about it but we didn't just want to give our opinions we want to talk directly uh to the young lady in question so we have her on higher learning tiara mack rhode island state senator is joining us on higher learning day how are you I am. I am doing well. <laughs> it's been a, a wild couple of days, but it, whiteness is a hell of a drug. So it has been it's been a trip. <laughs> hmm. Now, you know, what's crazy is you say that whiteness is a hell of a drug, but I've seen a significant amount of criticism about this from the community, as in black people. Oh, what? you know. Black people can have white supremacy embedded in their psyche. They can have white supremacy as the only framework in which they know how to think, act, and believe. And I guess I've seen it all. <laughs> so the question is, you say whiteness is a hell of a drug. You say white supremacy uh, is, is kind of the culprit here. Um, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel people's reaction to you twerking? We should say you were you were twerking on a handstand on your vacation. The cheeks was out. All right. Um, as, why they you, <laughs> as they are in the bikini. Why do you feel like the reaction to that is uh, is uh, is white supremacy? 
Yeah, my body has never been able to be controlled by my opposition. As a seated state senator, the youngest queer Black senator that was elected in Rhode Island's General Assembly in 2020, uh, my body has always, my existence has always been a source of conversation. And it's never been about me as a person. It has always been about you must conform. You must fit into this box. You must be quiet. You must uh, not say the things on your mind. When I was elected, I was saying shit like, fuck ICE. And that was who my, uh, that's who my constituency voted in. I never wanted to be a politician who, once I got up there, I dressed in boring black and brown clothing. I didn't speak my opinion and I didn't uplift my community. And so when I continue to live my joyful, free black self and folks don't know how to deal with that and folks don't know how that can be, how that joy in the light of all of the oppression that we are experiencing, in light of all of the oppression that they have given me, in light of all the ways that they've tried to silence me, the fact that I can still show up for my community with joy, with love, compassion, and silliness, that is that is everything that they hate. I should be ashamed of my body. Um, I was called fat. I was called um classless. I was called shameful. All of these things simply for having a body on a on a beach wearing what every single other person wears to the beach but because i am black in doing it and because i'm empowered in doing it that is what upset people because i shouldn't i shouldn't quote unquote look like that and be acting like that i shouldn't be a state senator with an ivy league degree and be able to turn up with my friends on a weekend they wanted me silent and i didn't allow that and because i didn't allow that i didn't allow their narrative and i didn't allow their boxes they lost their shit Mm. Do you think that if a white woman was twerking on a handstand, that it would have had a similar reaction? Absolutely not. Because in Rhode Island, I, I, I have all my TikTok about this. Rhode Island is literally wild. Um, the double standard that I am held to is literally what I'm twerking about. The double standard of um, I went against a 30 year incumbent who was anti LGBTQ and was anti abortion, had 21 DUIs. My current opponent um, was. Uh, arrested for embezzling $6,000 in campaign funds. The Senate president in Rhode Island was arrested in 1990 for stealing condoms, and he's still in office today. I was flipped upside down in a handstand, in a headstand, twerking, and yet my body should be shameful. My behavior was uncouth, disgusting, etc. But I have men who are in the same position, be they white, be they black, who are free from criticism. We had a mayor in Rhode Island, Buddy Cianci, um, who was arrested for um, mob activity. And he, when he left jail, he was um, he ran for re-election. And so this is the environment that I'm in where it's not about the policies. It's not about the issues. It's about we want um, people in power who will uphold the status quo. And because I came into Rhode Island politics, an outsider, not willing to conform, not willing to lend my platform to being quiet and acquiescing to the powers that be, that upsets them. And that disrupts white supremacy. It disrupts everything that they've been that they've been told I should be doing. I shouldn't be liberated. I shouldn't be free. I should be falling in the footsteps of other people. But because I don't behave the way they want me to, I am, I am disgusting. I am, et cetera. Meanwhile, they are doing 10 times worse things and they're not showing up for their communities. They're not talking about the policies and they're not lending their platforms to uplifting people in a way that is loving and full of empathy and joy. And so to them, I say, 
Like I'll twerk on your double standard. I will literally twerk on your double standard because no matter what I do, they would criticize me regardless. No matter how I show up, no matter what I do, they would criticize me regardless. I had to turn off all my comments. I had to mail sent to my home for um, advocating for a queer, inclusive, age-appropriate, comprehensive, uh, pleasure-based sexual health education bill. People calling me a groomer and a pedophile. Mail sent to my home. And no one protected me. No one in Rhode Island, no one in the media said, we should protect this Black woman. My body was never mine. No one cared. No one cared about my body and my safety. Until it was twerking upside down. And even then, they don't care about my safety. They care about what my body is doing. So to them, I say, I'll twerk on your double standard all day because y'all don't care about me. And it was never about me. And it was never about me as a person. It was never about me representing people. It was about this is a body that we can't control. And so, again, I twerk on that double standard. Hmm. So uh, what I saw, because I, I, I like to watch the discourse in the comments. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for, Tier. I'm here for the comment section. I know what I feel like. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows how I feel. Be free, be you, be expressive. I am against the prudish nature of society. We know this, okay? Um, but in the comment section, there are a lot of people that are saying, hey, if you are an elected official, this is the way you should conduct yourself. There were people that were saying classless, like you said. There were people that were saying, hey, uh, you're embarrassing black people. You're embarrassing black women. You know, that there should be a, a decorum, a way that you act if you're an elected official. And a lot of those people, like I said, were black. Mm-hmm. So forget about the other white people because we talked about the framework of white supremacy that you said. What do you say to the black people that yeah. criticize you for twerking? Breonna Taylor was sleeping in her bed and they killed her anyway. Valendo Castile told them that he had a registered gun in his car and they shot him anyway. Eric Gardner told them he could not breathe and they killed him anyway. Like these, Trayvon Martin had Skittles in his hands and they killed him anyway. No matter how I behave, no matter how respectable I am, no matter the Ivy League degree, I am still a black body worthy of the violence that America can give me. And If we in our community think that that is the same, if we think that about ourselves, of course people are going to say you should act classy. What does an elected official look like and act like? Because all I see performed in the state house that I'm in and at the White House on the national level and the federal level is white people who are not connected to the issues. I see white people and I see old people who don't know how to connect to their constituents, who are not talking about how $15 is not a living wage. That's $32,500 a year before taxes. I'm talking about a $25 living wage for everybody, which is $55,000 a year. I'm talking about housing for all, authentic pathways for Black homeownership to decrease the wealth gap. Yet, um, folks want to say that I'm not behaving in the way that elected officials should behave. They're supposed to, what are they supposed to be doing? And obviously that status quo has not worked. Their rules have never worked for me because I was supposed to get into that room and I was supposed to be quiet. I was supposed to wear the correct clothes. I was supposed to do, um, perform the ways that they wanted me to perform. And because I didn't, and because I couldn't, that is, that is seen as deviant to the nature, but, um, to to the nature of what it means to be an elected official. But I think we need more elected officials who are real people because it is a part-time position. A lot of folks don't even know how state legislatures work. I had people like, you're a disgrace to the U.S. I can't believe you represent the United States. I'm like, 
honey, I am a Rhode Island state senator. They pay me $16,000 before taxes to represent their state for six months out of the year after my full-time job. I got people calling me all kinds of names sideways, staying in the building sometimes until midnight. I am a part-time state senator. I'm allowed to still have joy. I'm allowed to be a real person. I'm allowed to show up for my community in ways that are authentic to me. And the fact that people think they own me The fact that they think that I have to behave in a way that is not authentic to me in order to lead, that is not how we show up for community. And so if we've only seen leaders who lead in ways that are performance, we've never had actual leaders. And that's why we're not used to leaders who are leading an unapologetic, Black, queer, and joyful life out in the open because we need more real, authentic people showing our younger generation that you can be a queer, Black, twerking person and still show up for your community every day. You can be a queer, Black, twerking person and show up every single day for the people and the causes that it matters. And you don't have to be the next AOC. You don't have to be the next Kamala Harris. You can be you in your community still showing up for change. Let me, let me ask you this. I'm a, a devil's advocate question. Now, I'm known to be the prudish one on the podcast. But however, I have to say, I find this story quite captivating. I like love this. I really do. Is it fair to say that people, because everything you're saying, like in what you stand for is wonderful. But is it fair to say that the message could be lost in the twerk? People can't hear what you have to say because they're so focused on what it is that you're doing. Is that fair? Is it fair to say that? No, it's not. Because listening to me before, it wasn't my body was the conversation that now I have the platform to talk about abortion, to talk about living wage, to talk about our criminal justice system, to talk about police accountability. Because I've been talking that shit. I've been talking about it. I have the background. I have the papers. And yet that never got coverage in my local media and the national media. So no, they've already told me that sex sells. And so when I use that message that I received growing up as a black woman with my body always being objectified, when I take their tools and use it against them, they're like, oh, wait, no, you're not supposed to use our weapons against us. But honey, baby, like you taught me that my body was a tool. And so I used it. And when I didn't use it in the ways that you could shame me and you could belittle me and put me down, that is the danger. And that is the power of blackness, of joy, of liberation. We can take their tools and literally flip it on on top of their heads and twerk on it. Hmm. What (laughs) What has been to you the most shocking response? Has it been the way that people have called you out of your name? Has it been intercommunity criticism? Has it been people? What has been, were you surprised at any of the response you got to the video? Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't say that I am. I mean, I, I have heard it all. Like I said before, I went viral for twerking upside down. I went viral because the alt-right took a bill that I supported, literally, again, harassed daily, receiving like threatening messages, being called the N-word, disgusting hundreds of thousands of messages calling me a pedophile and a groomer. I have literally heard every single thing that these people can throw at me before this happened. And so now that there's a platform and now that there are more eyes on it, I'm just hearing it even more. And it's coming from the community. It's coming from people who don't understand. And I'm a former educator. I know that as a state senator um, and as as an educator, as a, a free and liberated black woman who's leading in new and different ways, and it's not for everybody. 
everything that I do is not for everybody. Um, but because I, I, because I show up in these ways, I think it's important that, um, and I lost my train of thought, but I think it is, it's important that I continue to show up in ways that are challenging people's perception of what leadership looks like. Because again, the status quo never worked for us. We're literally in the middle of a global pandemic, another recession. We are, we have thing after thing after thing. We have mass Black death on the media, and yet people are focusing on my body. That is the most pressing thing in the United States right now. And so again, to lend that platform, they already told me the only way that I will be on the news is if I am shot by the police and my video goes viral, or if I'm working upside down. That is the message that the United States gave me and that I've lived with my entire life. And so when I take that message and use it to my own advantage, y'all are upset. But we have all, we've all been told the only way that you will get your name in the news is either when you die or you do something on World Star. And so, mm. and so, <laughs> and so. I, I, just to piggyback on what Van was saying, are, have you been surprised at maybe someone with like a political office or some type of platform has reached out to you in support? For the video or to like comment have you has has that shocked you or, or have you been surprised by someone doing that um yeah i think i think i've been uh surprised by some of the supporters like i was out knocking doors today because i'm in the middle of my re-election and i had constituents like weren't you working on the news and they're like girl like i'm not concerned about that so i think it it it's been really nice to have my uh, my community. I have a sign um, right outside my door and there was a group of people who were outside twerking in front of it. And so it's, it's been nice to see <laughs> the support from the actual 20,000 people who live in my community who now um, know that a state senator, know that there's an election coming up and know that their, uh, their representation in the state who spends millions of dollars um, in their communities and makes decisions that will impact them for the next like 10, 20, 30 years is someone that they can approach. Is someone who has a real life and who knows the struggles of being low income, who knows what it's like to speak for the marginalized communities. And so I, I've been overwhelmed to see the joy and the, the, the response of liberation and the folks who are like, girl, we get it. And again, it, message is not for everybody. It doesn't have to be. Never going to please everyone. And so the people who felt affirmed by that message, the people who felt seen, and the people who felt, now I can engage in politics because I know that it's not, it's not hopeless. There are people like you who are real, who are grounded, who look like me. That's the overwhelming sense of like joy and like, and excitement that I get because there are people who finally see themselves in politics. You don't have to be buttoned up. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be whole. You don't have to be complete in order to be a leader. You don't have to be whole. You don't have to be complete in order to make a change in your community. And that is what has made me feel so um, affirmed and loved by this community of twerkers out there who are doing what they want in their free time, but also impacting their community. Mm. Could you see yourself, last question for me, could you see yourself twerking all the way to the Senate twerking all the way to the White House, twerking all the way to, I don't know, the cabinet. Like, where do you see your political career? So I, I don't see myself as a career politician, at least yet. I stumbled into politics. Disappointing, That is another thing. This, I'll just be honest with you. You feel very sincere. You feel absolutely deadly accurate and focused. It's disappointing. Yeah, well, you know, things can change, but right now I'm 28 years old and these people are already wearing me out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but I think 
a lot of folks also fail to realize that there is so much power at the grassroots and local level. Many of the decisions that are being made happen at the state level and they happen at the city level. With the overturning of Roe v. Wade at the um, at the federal level, it is up to states to decide if someone will have access to abortion. There are already states that have said, no, you will not have that right to your body. There are states that are going to have to decide if they become sanctuary cities for our immigrant population and for undocumented folks. It's going to be up to the states to decide. So there is so much more power at the grassroots level, at the state level. Everyone wants to be the big star. I don't want to be the big star. I want to create so many little stars that we light up um, oh. all across the nation because all of our communities are cared for and affirmed by, by people who care about the niche intricacies of those communities. It's not about being a larger than life figure, which is what um, I think some of those bigger positions can be for. But there's so much impact at the grassroots level that people fail to realize. So when someone's like, you're just a state senator, what are you doing? It's like, but there's real tangible impact for the 1.1 million people who live in my state by showing up every day as myself. Oh. Uh, my last question. Will there be another twerk video? Will we get a response twerk video, a set around to? And then I'm also just curious if you've, um, either laughed at or seen some of the memes that are on social with the still shot of you, like in the White House or, um, the Washington <laughs> monument, <laughs> like, like different things like that. I'm just wondering if you've seen all that. Um, Yes. So uh, will I be twerking again? Well, now I'm trying to get twerk for trending on on TikTok, on Twitter. Like, what are you twerking for? We're going to lean into it. We've got a whole generation of new voters who um, are who can be engaged and uh, know about their upcoming election, know about their local elected officials and know about how to get engaged in some of the issues. So hashtag twerk for. Um, so I'll, I'll probably still be twerking. I, again, I twerk in my free time. <laughs> I go out to the clubs. Um, and yes, I've been impressed with the memes. My favorite was the one that 50, uh, 50 Cent reposted with like me in front of Joe Biden. I I really appreciated the the reflection in the in the memorial. Oh, I was, oh you got the reflection. Okay. Yeah. 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 A lot of people would say, a lot of people were saying, what would Dr. King think about the twerking? And I was thinking, if you know anything about Dr. King, you know he'd enjoy it a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Tierra, thank you so much for joining us on Higher Learning. Um, yes. Number one, I think it's important to sort of uh, challenge some of these uh, long held societal norms, but also, I don't think that people understood. The uh, the depth of you as a politician, how could they have? They didn't know you and everything that you stand for. And I'm glad that you've been given a platform and given the ability to kind of um, to put your message out there to everyone. And we we appreciate you joining us today on Higher Learning. And yes. this, this, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning <laughs> of your movement. So whatever you want to do, we're right here to support you. We'd love to have you back sometime. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. No problem. Bye bye to you. Bye. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. 
Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Tierra Mac, she twerks. But she's also, she twerks and she saves. She saves people, but she also twerks. What do you, what did you think about that? I love that her twerking was intentional, right? There was a message behind it. Even if she was just twerking on vacation and she was like, vote for me, I still don't think I would have had a problem with it. But I loved it. I just loved hearing her talk about it even more. And I don't disagree with anything that she was saying. Um, I am, I did ask her if it was a white woman twerking, would there have been as big of a reaction? I disagree with her on that. I do think it would have been a big, big reaction, a huge reaction of any woman, any race woman twerking. That's a politician. It would have been a reaction that I disagree. Um, let's move to New York now. Have you seen the video of the bodega owner? I have stabbing up the guy. Um, so this is what happened. The Manhattan Bodega, Manhattan Bodega clerk was forced to grab a knife and fend off an attack. Now finds himself sitting behind bars in Riker Island, charged with murder and unable to post $250,000 bond. Um, <clears throat> he was charged in the fatal stabbing of Austin Simon, okay, um, 35, who can be seen on video storming behind the counter at the Hamilton Heights grocery store on Broadway and West 139th Street to attack the store worker on Friday night. The incident followed an argument. Uh, the store owner had with some, Simon's girlfriend, who, whose EBT card was declined when she tried to use it to buy chips for a ten-year-old daughter at the store. Thirty-two-year-old woman claimed the, uh, he that the store owner, whose name is Alba, uh, grabbed the snack out of her daughter's hand, so she knocked over items on the corner and ran home to get Simon, who stormed into the bodega and attacked Alba about ten minutes later. During the fight. Simon's girlfriend allegedly stabbed the worker in the shoulder with a knife she had in her purse, according to Alba's defense attorney, but she is not facing charges. Alba's been charged with second-degree murder. You can see the guy on video walk into the store, and he's very upset. He's very upset because, I guess, of what uh, he's been told um, precedes this incident, and at some point, the video gets bloody. And when the video gets bloody, this guy did not make it. He died. A lot of people are talking about this video. Rachel, your thoughts? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of discourse on this in regards to what happened, and it's complicated, and it's hard it's hard to talk about without knowing the intention of Alba, not knowing you know like what he's felt in that moment, what he's been through, or even uh, sadly Austin, who's passed away now to this point. People are upset because he's being charged with second degree murder. People are also upset because he's being held um, in Rikers on a $250,000 bail 
when the DA has been vocal about um, uh, the uh, bell bonds and and not having you know big amounts, and there have been other people who have been charged with something who've been let out for either a lesser um, amount of bail or none at all, and who have gone out and done criminal acts after they were let out on bail. So there's a lot that people are saying in regards to this. Um, this is, I mean, this is tough because I don't know what, again, I don't know what Alba was thinking. And it's hard to say what she would have done in that moment. If the girlfriend pulled out a knife and then left and this, and Austin is coming back. And from the cameras, you can see that he's visibly angry. He pushed Alba down. I don't know what's being said. Who knows if he was protecting himself in that moment? Now, the alarming thing is, is when he grabs the knife, he goes straight for his neck. He stabs him in the neck. Like. Well, he stabs him. So he stabs him. We should say this is a, this is a tough one. He stabs him in, in the body first. And then after he stabs him in the body to kind of take his, his, uh, his, um, his attention away then he goes for the neck so it's like he was he was working the knife i mean to be honest no he was absolutely working and again i don't know what austin was saying i don't know if he was saying i'm gonna ki- i'm gonna come back i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna do I, we have no idea and sadly austin's not here to tell his story but it's a tough one it's not it's not a case that i would want to be involved in because you know what? I have no idea what he felt in that moment because you can say certainly there were some things that Austin should not have been doing, but did he deserve to be murdered? No. Um. Yeah. So I understand the back and forth on social media. So I'm looking at the video right now. Mm-hmm. This is what this I've, is. What, the, the neck thing is is what's getting to me on that side. Th- of it. This is this is. I, I got to be honest with you. I find it hard to blame Jose Alba in this situation. It is, sir. I do. Like I find it hard to blame in this situation. I'm watching the video right now. I'm not saying, and this is this goes back to us finding ways to have nonviolent conflict resolution and not putting ourselves. And it also goes back to like what we were talking about, even at the Oscars. You just can't in any way. You don't want to get into a position of justifying violence as conflict resolution because you never know when it's going to go completely bad, mm-hmm. right? Neither one of these people is a police officer. And let me tell you what difference that makes. In a situation where this is a cop, the cop um, should be trained in de-escalation. The, trop, the cop should have, uh, uh, the cop is armed, all of this stuff. Like, when we're asking for the holding police to a different standard yeah. asking that because of the money that we're pumping into police departments to train them how to de-escalate situations and how to use non-lethal force in situations because they are powerful. What I'm looking at right now, if I'm being honest, is a video of an angry man. And I'm not saying Austin didn't have right, uh, a right to be angry. I don't know what precipitated this. He pushes the guy down. He stands in front of him. He stands in front of him. He's talking. He's talking. He's saying something. At this point, Jose Alba is not getting up. He's not getting up. I'm watching the video right now. He's still talking to him. He's not trying to beat him to death or anything like that. He's not trying to beat him to death. He's talking to him. 
Jose Alba tries to get up. Uh, and when he, when he when he gets up, he grabs the knife. Now they're 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 he gets up and he goes to grab the knife and he stabs him, right? I guess the questions for me in this video are number one, at the time that Jose Alba grabs this knife, is his life in immediate danger? I could see an argument being made for no, because he was sitting down where he had been pushed down. He's almost being detained, right? And then he walks past Simon to get the knife and comes back. So I could see someone saying his life is not in immediate danger in this situation. I can also see somebody saying he doesn't know what's going to happen. He has no clue what's going to happen. And this is a big knife. And he probably has that knife behind the store to protect himself against anybody that might try to come in there like there's a there's glass there I, I don't know it's hard i tell you what in another situation i'm gonna just be honest with you if that's a kindly old black shop owner i'm not even thinking about it to be honest with you i if, if that's a kindly old black shop owner and a guy with a shaved head. Well, I'm not even thinking about it at that point because my emotions are different there. Um, I'm trying to de-emotionalize this situation as much as I possibly can, but the reality of it is I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see a situation to where someone, I, 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 it's hard for me to, to agree with the fact that he should be in jail on $250,000 bond. And I, I could see, I'm sure more information will come out I'm sure that, again, we see him yelling. We don't know what was said. You don't know if he's like, I'm calling people to come up here. I'm going to go back to the car. You have no idea what he what was being said and what he felt in that moment. I see the charges probably being dropped. I really do. I really do. I think that the immediate response was to take action, um, especially because of the the society that we're in right now. But I see the charges being dropped. Mm-hmm. From a legal standpoint, basis of legal eagle, I can't even. Well, I can't give a legal analysis because I don't know all the evidence. I, I like, I'm just looking at That's that video, true. and so I have to add in, you know, what I think was being said, what I think his intention was in that moment. Um, so, so my point by saying this is why it's important, and we're gonna mourn and be, we're gonna be upset about this, right? Because a life was lost, and. Austin Simon was a 35-year-old man. This is why it's incumbent upon us and our community to talk, to talk about the fact that we may have to make sure we give our young boys different outlets for the understandable anger that they feel, for the understandable hurt that they feel other than resorting to violence. And I didn't mean to bring up that incident from back but what i was when i was talking about the incident i was like i don't want to normalize using violence as conflict resolution mm -hmm. because you never know where violence is going to go that's true you put you, you you never know when it's going to go we can say what people deserve but we can also create better outcomes by developing better options mm -hmm. and in this situation we'll, we'll pay attention to this and see where it goes but uh it's a sad one i mean they're all sad and this is this is definitely sad okay uh are you ready to talk to Marlon Palmer. Let's go. About his tweet. Let's talk to him. Bring him in. Bring him in. You know, bring Nani, bring in Marlon Palmer right now. We got a bone to pick with our friend from the great north.
All right, guys, we talked about it on the podcast, last podcast. Um, It's been kind of a thing discussed. Chris Broussard said something that was people took it. People from Toronto that I know, they took it as an insult as he was talking about whether or not Kevin Durant would want to play in Toronto, whether or not uh, black American NBA free agents would want to play there. And it uh, drummed up a cultural discussion that got started, of course, on Twitter and Friend of the podcast, Marlon Palmer. Okay. Host of the Extra Extra Gravy podcast there. He's from Toronto. He tweeted, and we have the tweet. We talked about the tweet. And I'm not going to read the tweet again. Rachel has it. But the reality is, Marlon, why don't you tell people what you tweeted? Since So I tweeted uh, that American black people feel like their experience going out into the world is very unique specifically to them. And we're all oppressed everywhere. We're all facing black issues everywhere. And I feel like it's more so uh, a built up thing from years and years of this. It's not necessarily just targeted at what Chris Boussard said, even though he is probably a serial culprit at this, but it's a constant narrative that like black people here are different. First, when I first started coming to America, it was more so you guys have black people. That was the narrative that we would hear, like going to AAU tournaments, and things like that. You know, do you, you live in an igloo? Do you speak French only maple syrup? All these different things. Right. And I understood it then. I understood it then. But now that we have social media, a lot of American people come to Carabana specifically, like you mentioned earlier, which is, filled with millions of black people literally walking down the street. And yet we still get this narrative that it's weird to live here. If you're black and American, which I've, I have American friends that live here that are black and have never told me anything like that. So it's like a constant narrative, not only against Toronto, but Canada in general. And I feel like it specifically hurts our sports teams a lot because of the media saying these things. He's always got a source of some somebody that said they hated him. And then Richard Jefferson and players like that will come out and say, I've played in this league for 17 years. Toronto is one of the top cities in the world. Marlon, why did you delete the tweet? Uh, I deleted it because Tariq Nasheed had his his uh, soldiers after me um, and oh. commented, tell me Jamaica's, uh, nobody cares about Jamaica and ta- commenting about my family, just different things. So I was like, this isn't even worth gotcha. it. I just deleted the tweet just to calm down. That so you whole. stand by it. You I stand by what you I said. I stand by what I said. Mm. Should have left it up. <laughs> so, so, uh, I feel like you conflated a couple of things in your response to that. Number one, if people are asking you all of those questions about like black people ask each other that in the States, like if you're from New York and I come to New York, or if I'm from Louisiana, you're, you're from New York. I go, yo, B, like you wearing your Tim's in the summertime, like you wearing your hat, you're doing these things like they're cultural differences no matter where we are. Right. It's not like if, if people are asking you if you live in the igloo and you drink maple syrup, it's not has nothing to do with being black. It's because you're from Canada and they never been there. Before, yeah, I can understand. Right? If like if, if you're from Louisiana and you're talking to somebody in Los Angeles, it's just my opinion on it. And somebody's like, yo, are you a crip? Are you a blood? They're talking about the image and the perception of where it is, where you live based upon what yeah. they see on TV. And so 
like that in and of itself to me is just you're from Toronto. I went to I went to Toronto. I went to Humber College. And when I went there, I was blown away at the diversity that I saw there, not just in terms of black people, in terms of all different types Mm -hmm. of people in the class at Humber College. Canada is culturally different than mm-hmm. where I'm from, right? It it, yeah. it is, right? It doesn't, it's not any better or any worse, but it's culturally different than where I'm from. What I don't understand is why it had to be a black American thing. Like why it had to be, if Chris Broussard is talking about the fact that, because to be honest with you, if I'm being all the way real, I hear black Canadians criticize America uh-huh. all the time. Like all the America time. America or about black Americans? We don't, we don't criticize I'm, black I'm Americans. Just, we criticize America in not, general. And that's what, and so my thing is this though, like, so criticizing America yeah. in general, right? So that's, and I don't give a fuck about whether or not people criticize mm-hmm. America. I don't. I don't. But to me, when you hear what Chris, Bruce, Chris Broussard said, what he said was, if you're a black dude from, uh, from Maryland, it might be a, an adjustment living that in could Toronto. Be anywhere though, that he doesn't say that when a player is going from Chicago to New York, he doesn't say that. That's my point. New York is super diverse, is it not? Is it not very multicultural? And, and yes, not, but it, it, it is. But the, but the, but, does it but, not get extremely cold? Do these things not all happen in America as well? In certain parts, let me. They they they, they do absolutely. But what I would say is. There are, as much as there are differences, which I've already acknowledged, there are common threads, yeah. right? Like there, there might be fast food places, like where you're from, that you can't get up there. There might be yeah. all kinds of different things. the 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 local music scene, like, might sound different. It's going to be there. And 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 to be honest with you, I don't. I actually don't think that it was fair at all to make that a criticism coming from Black Americans. That's something that he right. said based upon whoever he had talked to and I like like and I don't think it was fair at all to come back and talk about how black Americans look at Canada because to be honest with you I'm sick I am sick and tired of black Americans getting kicked in the ass he said something about that what the fuck that got to do with me then you would think that he's the only one saying that like I said before this is not a new narrative that us Canadians have heard. And when I tweeted that, there were Black people from other parts of the world that were agreeing, not just Canada that feels this way. And so you got to ask yourself, why is it constantly a feeling that's coming from America, where we have to get our defenses up constantly? Because all of us here, we love America. We grew up wanting to move there. And especially if you're in the entertainment industry, that's the Mecca. You want to move there and live a fruitful life, but you feel like you're constantly looked at as like an alien and then described as such. And Chris Roussard, if he had said little nuances like food places and little cultural things, sure, that nobody was going to dispute that. Obviously, you guys have different fast food, different games, all those different things. But the music sounds no, different. Not necessarily. The music yeah, sound different, it absolutely does. sound different anywhere. That's like saying that's like going yeah, right. right back to the Miami and New York, L.A. argument. It's going to sound different anywhere. You can still hear American music because that's just dominating the field. So it's not like you're losing. But, it. Right. It, 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 I, I, 
Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but couldn't there just that just be understood that that's what Chris may have been talking about when he made that statement? And the uh, and 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 you can answer that, but then yeah. also I think the part that triggered me about your tweet is that you said y'all aren't special, and I think okay. it's like. You know what I mean? Like, I why? No, why is there this attack on Black Americans? Like, because that's not yeah, that's like not you, necessarily like, like, what yeah. he was saying or what we say or what we feel. And then okay. that that we was ain't special. Stop! Stop rapping like us and dancing <laughs> like us and wearing our fucking clothes. If we ain't special, if we ain't special, then stop Americans. fucking. I think you guys right. are some of the most special people in the world in terms of just everything. There's. You guys start a lot of the shit that we follow here in Canada. So I'm not I'm not ever dissing America on that regard. Chris Broussard has a history specifically um, to what Rachel was saying of saying things about Canada and Toronto specifically. He's this is not the first, second or third time that he's commented. And it's never about anything that actually makes sense like you guys are talking about. It's always it's too cold. Black people are going to find it weird there. It's it's a weird environment for any superstar to be in. And these things don't get said about anywhere else. And I'm like, New York is very cold. That's not it true. Is, it is true. Marlon, 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 Marlon. What you just said is not true. Because there are, there is talk of, in NBA circles about cities that players don't want to play in all the time. Dame Lillard can't get a second star to come mm-hmm. to Portland. Like, you can't get people to come to Sacramento. You can't. Are you going to be able to get somebody to come to Milwaukee? Are you going to be able to get somebody to come? Like, that is a common refrain when you're talking about where free agents want to go. When you're talking about whether or not people want to play in cities other than Chicago or New York or L.A. or 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 Miami. They say that all the time. They talk about that in Boston, when Kevin, when Kevin Garnett and the rest of the guys were headed mm-hmm. to Boston back in the day, when you were still <laughs> yeah. watching Degrassi, and, 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 and I'm, there was a conversation about whether or not black NBA players wanted to go mm-hmm. to Boston because of Boston's history of race. Whether or not you're going to be able to get a player to come down to New Orleans and play there. They say that all the time and the, and the reason why they say it is because of the cold because of the small market because of all of that stuff like that gets said about every city that's not in one of the preeminent uh in, in like in destinations that free agents want to go it's I, a common I will agree conversation to that. i will agree that i've definitely heard that in nba media talks specifically but i retort with that meaning that it's usually depending on what player they're specifically talking about. So if you have Cole Bryant, they're talking about Milwaukee, which is a small town place, and there's not a lot of nightlife or whatever the case may be. They're going to talk to it as if Kobe is a nightlife person. Oh, he's not going to like it there. He's not going to like it there because of what this city has. They never say he's just not going to like it there, period, because that would be any player. They're talking specifically to their personality types. Now, when it comes to Toronto, it doesn't matter. Every player is not going to like it here. That's the narrative. We, we've been hearing but this see, for years. I, you, but but what, what, you just, what you just said to me is really not true because when they're talking about getting players to come to these places, they're not talking about specific players. They're talking about all... Are you going to be able to get somebody to go to Portland? Are you going to be able to get somebody to go to Milwaukee? Or like they they drafted Giannis. Are you going to get get 
Are you going to be able to keep Giannis? Are you going to be able to get this? Are you going to be able to do these things? These are common things mm-hmm. that they talk about. They're talking about it with with Toronto. Toronto has had big name big name uh, players up there. They've had T Mac. They've had Vince Carter. They've had Kawhi Leonard. And I'm just to be honest with you, the first chance that all of those guys got, they left. You know what I mean? Necessarily true. Not that's not necessarily that's not necessarily true. Chance that he got, he was he was a young superstar with this, and the city never had that before. So we fumbled it. The the absolute the the relationship between Vince Carter and Toronto was huge. Because we we didn't know how to handle it. Remember, we're an expansion team that went at that point. We were very young, inexperienced, didn't even have much playoffs experience. So that I understand, but. With other superstars, we've never really had any other superstar that we didn't draft. And if they're drafted, usually they leave. That's just what the NBA is now. So that's well, you did have a superstar you didn't draft. You had Kawhi Leonard. You had Kawhi. You had Kawhi Kawhi Leonard was a was a one year thing, and the only reason he left is because we didn't want to give up Pascal for Paul George. He would have stayed. Right. So, so, mm. so, like, he was going back to, to, to LA, no matter what. Well, this one, this, this, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I, this is how I feel about it. I personally feel I get what you're saying and I understand the defensiveness. What I don't understand is why all of Black America got pulled into an NBA culture conversation. Because, like, I, I, I Marlon, mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest with you. You black, I'm black, I'm sick but of that's that shit. Like, what I'm, my like, tweet I'm, is saying. I, we're all black. That's literally what my tweet is saying. Even when I, even though it's worded, like I said, I will take ownership for it's worded incorrectly. The y'all are not special probably wasn't necessary, but it's to say that we're all black. Why are we always se- Why are we always separating each other with these things if we're all black? That's my point. Yeah, I think the defensive defensiveness maybe came on our side because it, yes. it 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 brought up a different conversation where we were talking yeah. about my black is better than your black. Yeah. And a lot of times as black Americans, we are told from blacks in different countries that they look down on us or they see us in a different way. And you're and I, I'm curious. I don't know if I never necessarily heard that in Canada, but I'm curious if that's a if that's a. I did hear you say that and I've never honestly never been taught that at all um I feel like anybody that does have feel a way about America they've gathered that based on their own life and lifestyle and things that have happened with them but for me I've never been taught to hate black Americans or think they're lesser than like never I've actually been taught the opposite so like I grew up and a lot of my majority of my friends who are black we all grew up wanting to be American live in America the Carabana weekend that Van is talking about it's a running joke up here that before Drake gave us an identity we used to pretend to be American when we'd go to Carabana We'd put on fake accents and try to pretend like we we're American because girls would want to talk to the black American guys. <laughs> so that's just, it, it's never been a look down thing to me personally and to any of my friends. We've always looked up. It's been the opposite. Yeah. So why we ain't special? I understand this. Look, this is the bottom line. No harm was meant, but emotions yeah. were had. I got I got emotional. <laughs> I'm getting old, Marlon. And all I keep hearing is and you know what? To to be honest with you, when I when I came to Toronto, I was there with Matt yeah. Babel. 
When I came, <laughs> like when I like when I came to Toronto, nothing yeah. but love. And if you are an NBA free agent <laughs> and you go to Toronto, there will be nothing but love, nothing but love, and all types of different places. The fucking rub of this is I love Toronto. And they showed so much love and Marlon Paul ruined it. <laughs> but seriously, let me ask you a question. How do we have this conversation in a better way? How do we have this conversation in a way, not when it's about tweets, not when I'm getting emotional, not when Chris Broussard pops off, who said says a lot something, of, pops yeah. off because he says other shit too. Don't let this nigga come between us. Goddamn, like, you know what I'm of all niggas, of all niggas, of all niggas, don't let this nigga come between us. Like so, so like, how do we have this conversation in a better way? Seriously. Um, I think just coming to the table with an open mind. I think that's. What I know that's what Canadians and Torontonians want is an open mind, like not to be already thought of and like you already know what we are or think you know what we are or how we're gonna move. Um, I we especially when it comes to specifically the NBA stuff, like we just want a fair shake. <laughs> we feel like if the if the media, NBA media specifically is dominated in the American world, how are we ever gonna have a real say when all of them, the figureheads are saying Canada's horrible. Stephen A. Smith is saying after we won the championship, I don't want to see another championship in Canada. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to see that. another championship in Canada. Like th- these are the things we hear every year. You have to understand how frustrating it is. And then just the, the wild takes. After we won the championship, this, they, someone put together a, a compilation video of the media literally just talking shit about Canada. And talking shit about Toronto specifically. I <laughs> I never saw the video. I never saw the video. I guess. Honestly, but I do. I That's do. Not, well, hold, on, hold on, hold on. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, dog. It's only a matter of time Rouge, before Louisiana. you said it. Like, I, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You know how many places I go, and people are like, "Yo, you country, you fucking your teeth." It's it's like I I really feel like like I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. Getting emotional about it was a little Canadian. I'm not gonna lie, bro. <laughs> I'll be that. I'll be that. No, Listen, I, feel I'll be I feel you. I feel you. And by the and by the way, this is a shout out to Masai Ujiri. This is a shout out to the culture that they've the, the up there in the rappers. And the Raptors fans don't love me that much because I asked oh, a question yeah, about yeah, Pascal Siakam. I asked a question about Pascal Siakam. I asked a question about Pascal Siakam. The Twitter, I asked was a question, question oh, about yeah, Pascal Siakam. Oh, yeah, Toronto fans can't see. What was the question? Oh, the Raptors fans got my motherfucking ass. What? What was the question? What was the question, man? The, qu- the, the question was, I can't remember now. What's the question like? Are you guys happy with the way Pascal Siakam is playing okay, or developing? Okay, and when did you ask that? What did I say? When did you ask that? <laughs> when he wasn't sick. playing with. This was, this was after. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Ben, was this after they won a championship? No, no. Yeah, it was after. It was, it was after. It was after. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't playing that well. He wasn't playing that well. But look, guess what? Shout out to the Raptors fans. Your boy... Who was repped by my friend? Who's uh, my friend is is marketing uh, lady, Kyla Stewart. Your boy won. He got all NBA, and now he's looking for houses in Brooklyn. 
So shout out to Pascal Siakam. I'm just joking. I'm, I'm just not I was about to, I was about to leak. <laughs> nah, he's not. Nah, he's not looking for. But look, but seriously, I do understand this, and I and I think the most important thing for me, seriously, especially knowing, God, like you and me and you have talked a lot. Smart, funny, uh, amazing guy that I know loves black culture. I love black culture. I think it's just important that when we have the disagreements that we are that that we're able to discuss them because you told me some things that I hadn't really thought about and I hope that I did the same and also the Tariq Nasheed part of it and all of that that part of it I'm I'm fine with that. That's I, I know like, the internet's gonna do what it does. I I'm not at all worried about that. Just I just want my words to be misconstrued with the emotion. I well, think, then I'm glad you came on the podcast um, to clear it up. Yeah. I'm glad, well, not, not, not even to clear it up because he didn't have any clear. Well, explain, but explain I, yeah, like what, because we read it and we yeah. didn't really explain yeah. your side of it, right? We yeah. reacted to it. So I'm glad like, that you came on to talk about it because I was like, because that's exactly what Javan's last question. This is yeah. what we're supposed to be doing, right? We're supposed yeah. to be having these conversations. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I thank you guys for being open to having the conversation. Of course, man, whenever. And I'd love to come on your part too. Last thing I'll say. Honestly, never mind. You like I it do. or not? I do like it. Oh, get out. Cut him off. <laughs> why don't you like it? Hold on. Why don't you like it? I thought it was cool. She do you didn't like it? it? I, I like the last song on the album okay, with so 21 you wanted, Savage. So you want rap Drake? I don't know what Drake that was. Would you say that that was House or uh, he was trying to do like Afro beats I'll and say, failed? I'll say this. It, it, there's <laughs> definitely a lot opinion. of House elements on there. Um, but I do think in some of the songs, he's still rapping <clears throat> and it's still Drake rapping. Like it's what he usually talks about. Marlon, the album's missing something. It's yeah. missing. It's missing. It's missing a beat to be house. Yeah. It's not, it's not quite Afro beats, which is what I really think he was trying to do and failed. Mm. I just, I'm just not feeling it. I'm is waiting it, for the next is one. It subjective. You'll get, right. get it's not for everybody. Yeah, he'll get it's not for everybody. But it's not because I haven't been to South of France, like some people were saying, or be, or whatever. That's not why I can't appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Marlon Palmer, the podcast uh, is extra gravy. Tell people yeah, else man, uh, extra gravy on. show each and every Wednesday. Uh, also, uh, you can find me on all socials at that dude McFly. All right. Peace, brother. Thanks See you another time. Bye. Thanks for coming Later. on. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Yeah, what do you think about Marlon? Marlon made some points. I'm not going to lie. He did. Look, we came together. We came together. We, We agreed, maybe agreed to disagree on certain things, and we're better for it at the end of the day. Yeah, it's true. President Biden reached out, or excuse me, he's uh, he's working to get Brittany Griner released. He's uh, he tells the wife of of Brittany Griner's uh, that he's working to get her released. Um, the president called her wife to reassure her that he's working to secure Brittany's release as soon as possible, as well as the release of Paul Whelan and other U.S. nationals who are wrongfully detained or held hostage in Russia and around the world. Uh, Paul Whelan's sister, who's a U.S. Marine, is crushed by the fact that President Biden called um, uh, Brittany Griner's wife. Still looking for the press relief saying that, like, that the president has spoken to anyone in our family about Paul Whelan wrongfully detained in Russia for 3.5 years. I'm crushed. If he wants to talk about securing Paul's release, he needs to be talking to the Whelans. What are we to think? She added. So there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's accusation that Britney is getting celebrity treatment. Uh, there's also a guy that they want to trade Britney for. His nickname is the Merchant of Death. Okay. I'm going to ask you, if you're the president and you have to trade a potentially dangerous man like the Merchant of Death. Let's talk about this Merchant of Death guy. All right. For Brittany Griner, at this point, would you make that trade? I'm not answering that question. You should answer right I'm now. Not, answer I'm not, right now. I'm not, this is your podcast. I'm not answering like, that question. Could the U.S. like, look, this is the guy. Victor, Victor Bout. Give me, give me, give me his resume. Death. So, uh, you ever see that movie Lord of War? No. With Nicolas Cage, it's a great movie. Uh, it was based, It was loosely based on him. He is an arms dealer. Okay. Okay. Um, he is an arms dealer. He was captured with an elaborate option in 2008, one of the world's largest sellers of illicit arms. Uh, Moscow wants to exchange him mm-hmm. for Brittany Griner. It's not that complicated, says the guy who represents Victor Bout. The question is, should the United States be looking to make that exchange? Because the reality is the Russians do not have to let Brittany Griner. No, they don't. And unless something like this happens, they're not going to. Well, what Brittany did is not a a danger to society or to another um, country or citizens. He potentially, you called him the merchant of death, is that person. So to me, if they're going to give up Brittany, Paul, and other American citizens that are detained, yeah, I think it's worth it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, let me tell you something about this issue. This issue to me encapsulates why it's being the president is a shit job. There's absolutely zero way to win here. On this, absolutely. I'm going to be real with you. I'll keep it all the way real. Brittany Griner did something that she had no business doing. And she's 
And because she she did something that she had no business doing, when I say she did something she had no business doing, I mean that where we're at right now in America, it's fine to do that. But in Russia, they're not fucking around. So she should have never done that. However, the punishment is so excessive and so ridiculous that there's no way that you could justify what's happening to her right now. Okay. Because of that, the Russians have a chip to play against President, uh, President Biden. He has no way out of it. If he were to trade an arms dealer for an American basketball player, he's going to get his ass kicked politically by so many people that say, hey, President Biden is trading an arms dealer for somebody who went over and got a, and caught a drug charge in Russia. If he doesn't do it, part of the community here is going to be like, well, you know, he couldn't get Brittany Griner out. Like, like he couldn't get Brittany Griner out. President Trump was able to get ASAP Rocky out. All of that stuff, the, or what happened with LaMelo Ball in China, everybody's weaponizing all of that stuff. So there's really no right move here for the president. And that's sad. And if he just does Brittany, or like a one for one, he's still going to get it because Paul Whelan is over there who was, he's a, a in the Marines? Is that what US it was? U.S. Marine, yeah. Who what, didn't break the law, right? He's a soldier. Yeah. So, so I mean, for for my situation, this is like this whole thing is bad. And I also see a lot of false narratives going around about the fact that Brittany Griner has to has to has to has to play for two hundred twenty thousand dollars here in America, and LeBron James wouldn't have to play for that much money. You guys don't watch the WNBA. I'm sick of that. Y'all don't watch it. Y'all don't watch the WNBA. You guys don't know what Brittany Griner's number is. Y'all don't watch the WNBA. If you want to help the women in the WNBA secure more money, you have to watch and support their sport. She's going over there to make money in Russia because they watch it over there. Mm -hmm. So what I'm telling is everybody right now, same thing I talked to, like watch and support the WNBA. If not, you're just blowing smoke. The league is not really lucrative right now because it doesn't have the TV deal that it needs because the reality of the fact is there's not enough people are watching and pushing the ratings through the roof. That is the deal. If you want to help, don't tweet. Tune in to what's going on. Some amazing young players in WNBA right now. The game is as good as it's ever been. Watch it. All of this shit. All of this shit is back back to us. Donnie, give me the sound. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. Yeah. This was not on the My rundown. Wife. This was not on the rundown. Donnie, I do not like this conspiring conspiring against me. This was not on the rundown. What is happening? This was not a segment for today. Lion, watch. A mountain lion spends 24 hours prowling in a Simi Valley's residence backyard. Oh, my God. A Simi Valley neighborhood is on high alert after several mountain lions have been spotted roaming throughout the area. A mountain lion is here. That's close to okay? us. That's not far from us. Oh, that's not. not let me tell you, Simi Valley's famous because during the Rodney King trial, they want to have the trial That's right. here in, uh, like there in, in Los Angeles. They moved it out to Simi Valley. It's close enough where they can try. Simi Valley's close. We've seen footage on the camera in the back that, sh- that showed up around seven. 
And my wife opened up the backslider and made eye contact with the cat. Oh, my God. And then slowly closed the door, said, homeowner, Jonathan Klein, Jonathan Klein, my heart goes out to you and your fight against Mountain Lion. Uh, Klein told uh, Eyewitness News, Mountain Lion stayed in their backyard for 24 That's hours. That's terrifying. Oh, my God. That is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> what? The couple said they couldn't do anything unless the mountain. The couple, police told the couple they couldn't do anything to Mountain Lion. Why can't they shoot him? Unless, unless he attacks. They're literally stalking them. That is, it's a mental attack. Can you imagine 24 hours having them roaming around? It's a mental attack. Animal Control, Animal Control told ABC7, it doesn't handle Mountain Lion sightings. And that state wildlife officials said they also couldn't do much since the cat didn't attack anyone or Yet. show any aggressive behavior for it. They sided with my lion. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, um, no. People need, people need to, last thing, people need to know to be vigilant and just be on the lookout and be aware. Which is all I said. What's our, what's our defense then against mountain lions? What's our defense? Nothing. There's no defense. You, by the way, don't don't hurt Mountain Lion. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Donnie, did you make the decision about the snake? I didn't. the The snake continued. <laughs> I'm out of town right now, and I'll be out of town for a minute. So the snake is safe for now. For I love I love that you said for now. <laughs> yeah. That's it. All right. It's mailbag time. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. Why do I feel like we haven't done this in a really long time? Yeah, just seven days. All right. Uh, Gotis <laughs> DeMay. <laughs> Sass me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gotis DeMay on Reddit asks, uh, Van slash Rachel, if you could plan a vacation for the other to take, where would you send them and what is on their itinerary? Also, that's a loaded question. It's true. Well, at the moment after this podcast, I'm sending Van to Canada. Whoa. (laughs) Um, Marlon will be your tour guide. Where would I send Rachel? You know, I don't know. It's a good question. You know what I would do? I would send Rachel to Anguilla. You've never been. I would send Rachel to Anguilla. Don't you feel like you, so she is, if you've been to one of those no. islands, you've been to all of them? That's, see? That's what Marlon was talking about. Oh, this has nothing to do with black people. I'm talking about <laughs> beaches. Like beaches and water is what I'm talking about. You're right. I'm, no. I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that because I'm sure they're all culturally different. I was more so referring to the beaches and the water. But ah, you gotta go to Anguilla. Gotta go to Gwyn's. Anguilla, shout out if you go to Anguilla. You gotta go to Gwyn's. All right, just gotta go out there. You'll you'll love it. All right. Um, next question. All right, Cap Sirs on Reddit asks, "What are you most proud of?" <sighs> Nothing these days. I'm not gonna lie, man. I don't. I really. I don't think I'm proud of that many things. I think I can tell you what I'm most disappointed. Okay, in. we're not. That's not the question. I'll be. <laughs> I'll be a little bit more positive. 
I am most proud of that I am living my life the way I want to. Because for so long, oh, I didn't. So there we go. It's yeah, amazing. All right, next question. All right. OMG underscore LOL on Reddit asks, do you feel older or younger than your age? Definitely younger. Definitely younger. I'm a middle-aged man. I'm spry. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a middle-aged man, but I feel, I don't feel it like I'm a middle-aged man. I look at Lethal Weapon and see Danny Glover and I'm like, yo, he was my same age when they That's made this wild. movie. That's <laughs> wild. Well, Danny, Danny Glover's been looking the same for about 57 years. Yeah, I feel definitely younger. Definitely younger. Uh, last one. Okay. Uh, Slumped Blueberry wants to know where is your favorite place to eat in LA? Y'all know me. I'm so basic when it comes to food. Try to find something. That's yours? No, that's not mine at all. You picked that for me? Yeah, because you like a pork I chop. Do, I, do, lo- pork. I do love a good pork chop. Um, no, what's yours? Uh, mine is probably We Jamming Caribbean Cuisine on Pico or Redondo. What's it called? We Jamming. We Jamming. Mm. Get some oxtails, some Jamaican fried chicken, Caribbean fried chicken. Earl's. Remember Earl's? Earl's. Remember Earl's. I from a place called Earl's. <laughs> <laughs> Earl's is Earl's is good. People fuck with it. I know it's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Mine was sweet chick. I love sweet chick. I miss sweet chick. I don't know if it's still there. I've never heard of sweet nigga, chick. Nigga, it's on Fairfax. Nigga, it's got sweet chick everywhere. Nigga, do they? I've fuck never heard. About. I've never heard of it, Donnie. They got sweet chick in, in in fucking Miami. They got sweet chick in Atlanta. They got sweet chick in goddamn. Uh, they might not have one in Atlanta. They got one in New York. Sweet chick, Nas, like like, like Nas, Nas owns sweet chicks. Yeah, sweet chick, sweet chick is a big deal. All right, um, you got an unexpected ally of the week? No, didn't didn't even cross my mind. Oh, the the um, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah. Talk about it real yeah, quick. Yeah. Las Vegas Raiders. Let me pull this up. Let me get this right. Las Vegas Raiders hired the first black woman as an NFL president. There have been women. There have been black men. Not many, but there has never been a black woman. Her name is Sandra Douglas Morgan. Um, she was on the, the gaming. She's the gaming board chair there in Vegas first. And now she is going to be the first black female team president in NFL history. So congratulations to her. Congratulations to the Raiders. The Raiders um, have more diversity than most teams in their front uh, office. So, you know, kudos to them for that. Kudos to them. Maybe they'll sign Colin Kaepernick as well. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. But we'll take what we can get. Okay. Take your thing caps off. We do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. And I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.